For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Plan your match day with our GPS travel planner, taking you to the best pubs, restaurants and hotels, home and away. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. I went to Bladen Races, it was on the 9th of June, 1862 on a summer's afternoon. I took a bus from Bambrus, and she was heavy laden. Away we went along Collingwood Street, that's on the route to Bladen. Oh, me lads, you should have seen us gunning. Passing the folks upon the road just as they were standing There were lots of lads and lasses there all with smiling faces Gunning along the Scotswood Road to see the blading races We flew past Armstrong's factory, read up to the Robin Adair Welcome back to CHN Radio. We have a victory podcast to bring you, lovely listeners, Newcastle United 2, Crystal Palace nothing, an absolute dominant performance from beginning to end. Uh, we'll, we'll actually, that's a lie, but uh, we'll get into all of it. There's a lot, there's some good to talk about. We have good to talk about on this show and we are excited for it. So let's, let's get to it. So we're going to bring in the best damn co-host in the land. Elijah Newsom, how you doing? We out here in these streets. You already know what's going on. We back at it, back with it. You already know the vibes, Greg. It mm-hmm. is a Newcastle win. Yeah. Ugh. It's so good to say that. But again, like we've said in the past, a win, but at what cost? At what I, cost? I think we, we should start calling these Newcastle wins because I feel like we're the only club that wins like this. It's true. Win ugly. This is a good-fashioned Newcastle win. <laughs> us in uh, Netherlands under Frank De Boer. That's a yes. uh, good old Newcastle and Netherlands win, right there. Yeah, it's uh, it, it was a snooze fest if you watch all ninety minutes. But the last five was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, um, just really, I, I we'll, we'll get into it. We'll we'll talk about everything that there that there is to know on it. Um, just some, um, um, I guess there is no housekeeping, is there? We're going to have our news pod this week. We have a lot of games in December and January, so that means you're going to have a lot of pods. Um, I think that's it. Do you have anything that you want to say before we get started? I'm now realizing that, like, yeah, we have a lot of games in December and January. I just realized that. Like, I forgot about the condensed holiday fixtures and then just, like, the fact that, like, I'm going to be trapped. Not, I wouldn't say traveling, but... Shout out to my girlfriend for, you know, out there doing the good, the good work. She's coming back in late December. So we got to figure that out. I might be whipped, Greg. You might have to do some solo pods. Oh, yeah, maybe. Actually, well, that probably won't happen because. We'll, we'll get some, uh, while, while Elijah's simping, we can get some guests in for those. I about to say, so no more solo pods. Solo pods are done, by the way. Yeah. We yeah. got the feedback. People hate them. I agree. <laughs> I hate I hate them because I don't like listening to just myself. I like listening to mostly myself, but yeah. So people hate them. So we'll get guests on. Definitely. <laughs> uh, all right. Let, let's get into three words. Uh, so after every match, we ask you to write in three words to describe the match. And then we will read them on the show. We got some good ones. First one from Don at Smick Ultra. Goal Lynn Toon. Love it. Uh, okay. Trevor Mooney says, Brucey's still shite. 
John Kelly at JK Stud 17. Ice Cold Wilson. Uh, Toon Army Portland at Toon Army PDX says snatch and grab. Uh, Alex Porter, just keeping it real. Joe did good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Mr. Steel here worldwide says Wilson plus Jolinton equals magic. It's true. Yes. Eric Schmidt, you may have heard his interview, but at NUFC Indiana, uh, Steve Bruce Masterclass. Um, Toon Army Denver says Dinosaur Derby win. Two Rash Challenges podcast says oh. bad, good ending. Uh, Craig Atkinson, seven and eight. Uh, a lot of Wilson and Jolinton references. Uh, Joe Terry had a hilarious one and said unstoppable offensive force. <laughs> Um, uh, we got Peter Browia uh, at Browell Peter said, what just happened? That's kind of what I was thinking too. Um, and Connell Holy says boring, good win. So yeah, that gives you a good idea of, of what was going on. So let, let's get into it. So we'll start with the lineups as we always do. Uh, we had Darlo, then Mankio, Fernandez, Clark, and Lewis. Um, Hendrick, Shelby, the captain, <laughs> uh, Sean Longstaff, Almiron, Jolinton, and Wilson. On the bench, we had Mark Gillespie, Cher, Yedlin, Matty Longstaff, Richie, Elliot. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say Elliot. Elliot Anderson, the Elliot Anderson, and Jacob Murphy. Um, but COVID did deprive of LaSalle's Hayden Carroll and St. Maximin. Injuries and COVID, That's not just COVID. So, yeah, go ahead, Elijah. Uh, what's your thoughts when you saw that lineup? Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting because there was, like you said, there was a couple of things that occurred since we did our preview. Like, we, of course, as the fans know, we do our preview uh, Tuesday nights, Wednesday morning. And since then, uh, literally that Wednesday, we found out there was a COVID outbreak at Newcastle. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of no one knew the players. It was kind of suspected to be Isaac Kane once he was left off the team sheet. Then people finally noticed Andy Carroll was left off the team sheet. Jamal LaSalle, we mentioned, was injured. He kind of came off that last match injured. Uh, but again, we don't really like knowing LaSalle's, we don't know if that was co- like he could have missed it because of COVID relation related incidents as well. Like we have no idea. Um, and of course, the big story uh, of the day that kind of eventually got swept underneath the rug was Alan St. Maxman. And uh, apparently like there was reports saying that he got into, well, uh, the official report is that he had a thigh injury, um, but there was rumors floating about that, that he, he would have been dropped regardless just due to uh, uh, a potential training ground disagreement with Steve Bruce. Um, and so, I mean, all before the match on Friday, uh, that's all anyone was talking about on Twitter was like, if Steve Bruce loses this match, he's going to get fired. He's already lost. Basically, Newcastle's two best players have already turned against him. He's going to if he loses this, he's going to lose the he's going to lose his job. Blah blah, blah et cetera, et cetera. So that was the energy we was bringing into the match. Was like pretty much all negative energy, and like it was double negative because like this was a nationally televised game that like both teams are historically awful without the two players that were missing for each side crystal palace i think like they average their expected goals is 0.4 without wilford zaha 
And then, of course, we know how bad Newcastle looks without Alan St. Maxman on a day-to-day, how like the results speak for themselves. So it was going to be an all-time snooze fest. Like, we're thinking 0-0 draw. <laughs> I mean, like, that's what the expectation was. Maybe a one-goal win for some uh-huh. team because the last four times Newcastle and Crystal Palace have met, it's been a one-goal affair. Really the last, like, five or six times, I think. So, again, a bit crazy, um, kind of getting in line. But, hey, Elliot Anderson. Yeah, the man. Elliot, yeah. He definitely deserves to be at least on the bench. I, I, I always have. I always have to come to the realization of like, should he play? I always think if you have an extra sub and you're up to nothing, uh, that's a great time to put in a player like that. But yeah, 17. Uh, you can't just throw him in in the 60th minute. Maybe you just got to ease him into things first. Uh, but he's he clearly deserves it. Unless he's in the training camp, absolutely bossing around your first team then yeah, you throw him in. But if he still is looking like we're one of the worst players of that first team roster, then yeah. And you know probably how he'll do if you threw him out there. But it's a very big encouraging sign that he keeps getting these first team training sessions and is now getting called into Premier League lineups. Uh, pretty two, awesome. Two things off yeah. of that, Greg. Um, yeah. one, one is directly related to that. The other is a lineup thing. Um, that kind of like we can maybe talk about more on the weekly episode, but mm-hmm. um, this line, this lineup, and how Steve Bruce approaches things, like it's very much to do with this. So first and foremost, Ellie Anderson haircut. Oh, Every youth player that. for Newcastle that is British. I mean, and then there's also Elias Sorensen has the same haircut. Like we need to, we need to figure it out. Not the, anymore. The ball- Elias, Elias is going Dutch. Okay, good. He's, good. He grew out his hair. Oh, good. Thank God. Oh, but I mean, it, this, this is a, an actual pandemic. This is an epidemic. Really? <laughs> we need to, we need to like get all of the youth players for Newcastle and get them to a proper barber. Like I understand it's a panoramic, like we all out here, we got to do what we got to do. You see me, I'm rocking the naps right now. Actually, they don't, the see, you. don't see me. They don't yeah, see they you. don't. Yeah. But say they hear me just know my <laughs> hair is a little bit nappy right now. The curls are going out. Like it's nice, but I still got the fade going. So we all good, but like these Newcastle players, like the youth team guys, like I don't know who who decided that the bangs that are uneven that go like mid forehead with the with the like the two fade on the side, it's not a good look. Like let's just stop it. Um, and the other thing, Greg, and I want to get your thoughts on this because this is I mentioned this now because this came out literally right before the match. Miguel Delaney wrote something that Newcastle fans like agreed with it was a miracle did you see this greg what Miguel I, I, wrote? I didn't i didn't read the article but i i do know what you're referencing yes i read the article and he basically was talking about um steve bruce and like you know basically what everyone has written about who's covered newcastle right now is what's the identity i mean especially after last week's match like there was a lot talking about this so it was the hot topic of the week um and basically one one thing that stuck out um, to me and it just makes perfect sense Greg when I read this I was like yes is that Steve Bruce there's rumor that is going around that Steve Bruce operates under the mindset that if his team can field the better players that they will win eight times out of ten and if you look at how Steve Bruce sets up Newcastle teams and the fact that like the only thing that he tells his team to do in terms of instructions is to defend and there's no like attacking patterns. There's no like 
clear idea of when to press and things like that. It is literally just him putting out a lineup and he puts so much stock into his lineup. He cares so much about the lineup he puts out. It makes perfect sense that this is his strategy that like he thinks eight times out of 10, if you put out a better lineup than the other team, you will win. That's why he doesn't get upset when Newcastle loses to Chelsea or if they lose to a man United, because he he's like, Oh, well, you know, there's only a two, there's only 20% chance we would win this match. But of course, when Newcastle put out this lineup against Crystal Palace, he's expecting that this lineup is better than whatever Crystal Palace is going to put out. Ergo, Newcastle should win this match eight times out of ten. And this match was the perfect summary of that because both teams looked like trash, but ultimately the team with the better strikers won. That is like that's literally what happened. That's like verbatim. Callum Wilson is a better striker than anyone Crystal Palace has, and he scored the winning goal. And then Jolinton followed it up. So like. Shout out to Steve Bruce, I guess. Shout out. For shout out to Steve Bruce for not having an identity. Mm. Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, the, well, this actually dropped pregame, but a little more info on Newcastle as a club was a, a quote by Alan Shearer that made the rounds. He said, I hear all this stuff that Newcastle fans expect too much. They don't expect too much. They just want a bit of hope, and that's not too much to ask of them of their football club. Um, so that was nice to hear Alan, our, our voice, our leader talk further about that, but the game immediately got underway and it's a four, four, two Jolinton was up, up front alongside Wilson. Alvaron was on the left. Hendrick was on the right and, uh, Shelby and Sean Longstaff were in the central central midfield. So it's always, uh, this, there's a few stadiums in the premier league that do this. But uh, sometimes with the camera angles that we get, I don't know if it's the same camera angle in England, I'm assuming it is, but uh, in NBC Sports in the U.S., uh, it, it took me a while to figure out what our formation was because, like, it's, it's such a weird angle. So it's like, wait, like trying to point out, pick out, like, what we were doing. And, like, it was just weird to see. Uh, did you Dude, I, I, notice that oh, too? I, yeah, I think at certain stadiums, I think Bournemouth is another one where that yep. always happens. Anytime we're at Palace, Vitality Stadium, uh, yeah, Palace, obviously. Uh, and I do think it's a stadium. It's like Bournemouth, if you look at Vitality Stadium, it's got like not, it doesn't have the double decker real, it doesn't really have a, it's not a large stadium by any means. So yeah. I do think it's, it's got, it's probably like literally camera angles, just like in NBA arenas where like certain, like the arenas all have slightly different camera angles. Um, but yeah, dude, it's tough. That and cup matches, dude. Oh my yeah. gosh. Anytime we have to play a team that is below the championship and yeah. they've got like the like they've got like 20 rows total, it's like you're basically field level uh with with uh like with, QPR <laughs> too. QPR's angle is like yeah, it's just like on top of the field. It's like whoa. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh four for two for us, and it was a pretty good start. We well, it was a good start. Ten minutes in, Newcastle were dominating possession. They had 75% possession after 10 minutes. They were pressing a lot higher than they have in the past. And uh, Jolinton was getting pretty well into the game. He was trying to make something happen. He was actively looking for the ball, making his runs. And then whether he there was a chance to score on or not, he was trying to shoot him whenever he got the opportunity to. Um, now, the the, chance, the possession started to drop a little bit after the 10 minute mark i think like we we still ended up with over 50% possession so like in the first half so no 
no, uh, no problems there. But literally, I mean, a half hour in, we had four shots on goal, and Jolinton had all four shots, one on target. Um, he hasn't, he wasn't shooting them well. <laughs> um, the some, like some were really bad, but just to see him trying was the biggest difference. Like, I don't know. Sometimes Jolinton can come off very lazy. And there were times in this one where our tack just seemed very lazy. Uh, but Jolinton was really putting the effort, I thought, here. Do you just have a quick comment on him? I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about Jolinton today. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree. I think the thing I noticed the most was just, like, when he was given – because we really haven't seen Jolinton play, like, a full, full, full 90 um, this season. Like, like, ha- like – top to top to bottom or I guess start to finish. Uh, one thing I really did notice was his holdup play has just vastly improved. I think last season there was always a very, very bad, and even early this season, very bad touch from him. Um, but it seemed like a lot of his, his touches off of the long balls that were being played to him, he was either able to trap the ball really well and turn up field and, uh, and be able to kind of look ahead and start the attack on his own or he's able to hold up play and, and lay it off, or he's able to do those cheeky little flicks where it's like, you know, big, long ball. It doesn't seem like it's going to be a good position for anyone. And Joel Linton's able to flick it in the path and give Newcastle a chance to retain possession. That's something that we really didn't see from Joel Linton last year, which is what we kind of, I wouldn't say we, I'd say we probably hoped for him to do, given the fact that Newcastle ran an almost identical formation and system, uh, to Rafa's system with Solomon Rondon. So you're expecting a, a forward who can hold the ball up well. And Jolinton just wasn't that great at that last season. And this was a, a nice improvement. I wouldn't say it's like Rondon level, but again, an improvement nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely was. Uh, and then we, he had his big chance. Uh, uh, and it was also worth mentioning Darlow had a couple of nice saves as well as he always does. Definitely. Uh, but this chance by Jolinton right before halftime, Dan gave it away and he rolled it past uh, MacArthur, I think it was. And then Jolinton gets to it and he just hits a, a weak shot right at the keeper. And that was Jolinton's fifth shot. And I, I, you know, you have to wonder if, well, like if that was Callum Wilson, that's a goal in, in the, the form that Callum Wilson's in. So like it, it, I got into this space where I'm just like, man, like <laughs> no matter what Jolinton did, does, like, it's just not going to, this is never going to work for him. Like I just convinced after that, I was like, man, he's just never going to get, he's never going to go into a goal scoring streak. Like the guy is just. For, not, for not. me, it was actually an earlier chance where he should have had an assist where like he does everything right. He links up well with Miggy and then like Miggy lays off a ball for Joel Linton. It is the perfect like link and everything. He runs onto it, fire, like does exactly what he's supposed to do. He's on the edge of the box, like, uh, on the uh, on the left hand side, fires it like right in front of the face of goal. Like Callum Wilson's like right there. Like it's it's goal. Like I'm like oh I'm about to send out the goal tweet. And like out of nowhere, MacArthur comes and blocks. I'm like <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh, the guy cannot like it's like genuinely he's had a, a solid outing. Like the guy deserves at this point to like at least get like a chance created added to his stat, but he won't even get that because MacArthur comes out of nowhere with the block. Like MacArthur was nowhere near the ball, just appeared. Yeah, and, and and cleared it. So yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah, uh, and that was that was the first half. It was it was it was definitely better for Newcastle. It was just bit, like we did not look like we were getting dominated, and that's a win for us. 
Um, it definitely doesn't sound good for how the last few games went, but it's the truth. Uh, also, Jolinton, probably the best player. Well, definitely, in my opinion, the best player. Uh, Darlow, again, two critical saves, but Jolinton looked the best player. Uh, still a boring game. But that's that was halftime for me. Zero zero. What's your thoughts? Yeah, same. I mean, it, zero zero. I I thought what was interesting was, um, it's just it was very obvious that this was the best formation for Joel Linton. Um, last season we really weren't able to run a four four two effectively with a striker that could pair well with Joel Linton, um, because like if you look at our striking options. First and foremost, anytime Steve Bruce tried any sort of two-striker formation, it was with Almiron or Alan St. Maxman, who are not strikers. They're they're attacking midfielders, and Alan St. Maxman is a out-and-out winger. Um, and so anytime that happened with Joel Linton, there were spurts where Joel Linton looked good, but it was never the same. But having a true out-and-out forward that is an actual goal-scoring threat and knows how to make those runs that will trouble defenses it is made it's worked wonders and um like chris waff brought this up when he did his analysis of the whole thing uh our what's his name? it's Jan's food inside i cannot say the guy's name but he's this dude is a sporting director he was at hoffenheim uh he was at like uh most recently i think he was at Dusseldorf I think he was he's also a commentator on Fox Sports one great dude Lons Futenstein I don't know how to say his name it's German and you cannot fault me for not knowing how to say his name um but he had said like when when you scout Joel Linton you want to pair him up with another forward because he's much better as that secondary forward the guy that kind of drop in kind of create for others hold up play play the cheeky pass on and this was this was like the perfect match for him to do that uh, against a, a back line that isn't great by any mean. Uh, so, yeah, shout out to him. Shout out to Joel Linton. It was a good first half from him. Easily, in my opinion, best player. But, of course, that's not good enough for Newcastle fans. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to take a break, and then we'll go to the second half. So we're going to do that right now. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Our chat system connects the Newcastle community with its public forums for supporters globally, as well as private chats with your mates. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. Second half is underway and nothing happened. <laughs> um, actually, the only thing of note that happened in the first hour was that Shelby had a free kick that he hit into the wall. Yeah, it's true. That's that's the only notable thing that happened for, well, yeah, from the forty-five minute mark to the to the hour mark. Um, yeah, I would I would say that Crystal Palace definitely like it, it. The first half was all was pretty much all Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. there were some opportunities for Crystal Palace to clearly score, but like it it was always like off the break, off the counter for them. But this time they like definitely were doing a little bit of a better job creating chances and it it started to feel more even it definitely started giving off the vibe that like whoever scored like like pretty much every crystal palace newcastle match whoever scores that first goal is probably going to win and that's how it, that's kind of how it felt was like all right like they've clawed their way back into this like whoever yeah. scores first is definitely probably going to win yeah no definitely uh and we got our first substitution in the 67th minute and it was Matt Ritchie coming on for Almiron. 
Uh, it was a weird one for me because Amron was one of the really only players that brought pace into the game. And I'm talking about like for Crystal Palace and for Newcastle. But yeah. um, it, it was, was him a, and Eze. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eze was – he had a pretty good day too. Um, yeah. But, it, but it, there was no formation changes. This literally, Amaran was on the left. Matt Ritchie slotted into that team spot. But then Ritchie made a pretty good impact pretty much right away. He put a ball into the box, and Wilson went for it and couldn't quite get to it. But then Jolinton jumped a little too early on this one, and he barely got anything on the ball. But uh, it, was a, it was a very good cross by Matt Ritchie, which is not something that we're used to consistently seeing. Um, <laughs> So I was that's like, also, oh, maybe, that's, maybe Matt Ritchie has some juice. Let's go. That's also that's also an opinion because my first my first thought was like that cross is too high. Like who's going to get there? And so like, <laughs> but also like I don't know. You can go either way. Like I definitely think Jolinton missed time his jump. Like he jumped like literally a second too early, and Callum Wilson obviously couldn't get there. So like I think. All in all, think looking back on it, it was a good cross. But my first thought was like, man, Matt Ritchie, like everyone's going to think this is a good cross, but it really isn't. And it, it really was a good cross. Um, yeah. On that substitution, though, I did think that um, neither wing player – I mean, I think Almiron, you you hope that he offers more. Jeff Hendrick was a passenger. And so I think that was the thing was like if 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 it was Jacob Murphy – and out and and Almiron starting and Jacob Murphy who's he's going to he's going to impose himself on a on a match. Then mm-hmm. it's like, all right, I understand something off Almiron, but just because Almiron was trying to get involved, he just wasn't playing well. And Jeff Hendrick just like literally the first time Jeff Hendrick touched the ball was like the 35th minute. Like it just felt weird that he was that Almiron was the one getting subbed off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh let's talk about that Sean Longstaff run. Mm. Yes. How did you make note of this? Uh, Longy picked up the ball and just went for it. Uh, just kept running and running. It was an amazing run. He was just driving down the pitch, and then he won a, a free kick right outside the box. Dan stuck his leg out and caught him, uh, which led to a really nifty free kick that I really liked. It's just a, It was just hit straight at the keeper. But it was yeah. like Richie – Passed the free kick to to Lewis, who just like stopped the ball with his foot, mm-hmm. and then like a, that put the ball in between, like in the slot between the wall of players, and Richie just fired it in, and it went straight at the keeper. But I was like, yeah, that was a little nif- nifty set piece there that could have worked had it been like you know the, the uh, what's the what's the goalie's name? It's Gia Gia Gia. Well, yeah, sure whatever his name is. Um, yeah, just, it was just, well, he was well-placed for that, but thought it was a pretty nice little free kick. Better than hitting to the wall, that's for sure. Yeah, I'd say Steve Bruce's, he gives off the vibes of a manager that likes to spend 25 minutes of training working on set pieces. <laughs> like and like for, for his team to never actually score from them, but for the fans to be like, huh, you know what? On on a on a day that would work. That would work. I like that. That's a good idea. And then of course Newcastle be like the lowest scoring team from set pieces under Steve Bruce. But we we damn sure look good not scoring them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then Carlo Darlow made a great save here with uh, uh, on Benteke when he came in from a header. Benteke. You said Carlo Darlow. Uh, I'm losing. That's it. great. Uh, Carlo Darlow. Um, but another great save from him again. But this at this point, this is when Crystal Palace 
really started to get the opportunities. Uh, Benteke was a good sub. Uh, he was really pressing Fernandez, and Van Anholt was causing a lot of um, Van Anholt and and uh, Batshuayi were causing a lot of problems. And then you just when you thought, just when you thought, Elijah, that we were about to lose this one, Callum Wilson. Over his head to Joel Linton. Something could be on here. Back through. A chance for Callum Wilson to win it. Callum Wilson has scored for Newcastle. Back in the team and back with a goal. Linking up with Joel Linton to give them the lead at Selhurst Park with three minutes remaining. Crystal Palace nil. Newcastle United won. Wilson's seventh of the season. What a finish. Great little finish. Good play, Joel Linton. Good little reverse ball into his path. Once he's got got in there, you always fancy him, don't you? Strikes. Just what you need to. It's a brilliant finish. Uh, it's a really good reverse ball, too, from Jolinton. Uh, and he sent him clean in, like straight through, 101 with the keeper. Wilson's going to win that 99 times out of 100, and he did. Huge, huge different. one nothing Newcastle. Massive goal. What's your thoughts on that play? I mean, I think you you have to give again, like I mentioned, Jolinton's hold up play has gotten so much better. His ability to like receive the long ball or receive the ball in from that secondary striker position and then immediately find the, the right pass. It was on display all over today. And this was a culmination of that. It was a much deserved assist, I feel like I think that out of all of our players, this match, Jolinton was probably the best at creating chances this match, which is something weird to say considering how much this podcast in particular gasses up Miguel Amaron for doing the same thing. And it's like Jolinton was the source of offense for Newcastle. So it felt right that he went and got himself an assist here. Again, of course, like you said, the ball's played perfectly in the Callum Wilson. It's one-on-one. Uh, crazy that he goes in between the keeper's legs and it works out. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, nine times out of 10, Cal Wilson one-on-one with the keeper. I'm taking Cal Wilson. Like it's it just going to happen. He's going to score. And, and that's what happened. Yeah. Uh, it was a beautiful goal and yeah, all the credit to Jolinton there, but then he wasn't done. Was he? They're breaking again, Newcastle. Wilson to Joel Linton, who's making a run right side, and he's played him in. Joel Linton with only Dan to beat to get into the area. Joel Linton onto his left in the box. Joel Linton, it's gone in! Oh, Joel Linton, dear. Oh, dear. it's taken a deflection, but it's two goals in two minutes for Newcastle. And Joel Linton, who created the first for Wilson, has surely going to claim the second goal. Left-footed shot, which sent the keeper the wrong way. And it's Crystal Palace nil, Newcastle United two in the 90th minute. He was not because he got his, and and it, it didn't was... look like he was done. It literally, it it actually felt like Newcastle were going to score again. Like mm-hmm. after the kickoff, like the team they were buzzing with energy. They like started pressing and stuff. I was like, the hell, these guys. There's like a minute left. They're going to score again. Like I literally was like, they're going to score again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And they did. And it wasn't, it wasn't, this wasn't a great goal. It was the Jolinton goal. We'll call it that. And it's just the shot took a massive deflection off of Cahill and goes into the net. You know, this, Jolinton deserved the goal. This game was awful, though. But all of a sudden, we're just cruising to three points here. Just a nice little drive down the back road to three points. Amazing. This is just very Newcastle of us. And, I'm just so happy Jolinton got it because he did deserve it. 
And even yeah. though it was a, kind of a sloppy goal, like a big deflection, he still had to make it work. 2 nothing Newcastle. What you got? I mean, I think the, the big thing here is that uh, he set himself up really well for it. And, um, like – like, I mean, he did he did the work to deserve the goal in this. Like, Callum Wilson plays the ball from, like, the middle middle mid, middle of the pitch, and Jolinton runs onto it, basically has to make his own run, create his own space, does that, gets the defender to bite towards, let me think, towards his left, and, like, he cuts back inside and gets a shot on target, which is, like, that's what you you want from a t- from your striker on the counter. This is the Jolinton that we wanted to see when we first signed him was, like, Oh yes, he's going to be a threat on the counter for that reason alone. It was tidy footwork. It was nice run by him. It was great way to nice job by him to create the space and all that good stuff. So yeah, I mean, of course it takes that unfortunate deflection, but where he was aiming it, it was going to be a tough save for the keeper. He was aiming far, far post on the ground. That's tough for a keeper to get down and stop that shot. So yeah, I mean, shout out to Joel Linton again. The shot was maybe not the hardest shot. But again, it worked. Who cares? <laughs> it worked. It totally worked. And and that's how the match ended. It ended 2-0 Newcastle. Um, it was a massive win for us. It was an awful match overall for 85 minutes. But those last five minutes made it all worth it. Um, but I will say, uh, so just real quick, that win put puts us in 13th in the table. Uh, so for everybody – saying why can't we play like Leeds and Aston Villa? We're tied on points with Leeds, and we're one point behind Aston Villa. So, And we're ahead of Arsenal. Yes, we are a point ahead of Arsenal, and now uh, a point ahead of Crystal Palace. And four points ahead of Brighton. Look at that. Uh, like, yeah. Like the last two were just like, okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> like. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's you know it's that that's a it was a really important win, but one thing that that match proved to me is that we need to be in the four four two now. That's going to be our best shot, and I said it on our preview. We were talking about it that the best XG for Newcastle has been on the four four two, and this is where we look our best. I think. Yeah, I think it was it was a it was a far more. Even, uh, even I would say, uh, like, I don't want to say even, but, like, chances were being created. Newcastle had 14 yeah. shots. And I wouldn't say Crystal Palace, like, and I think the, the important thing to note here for me is that Crystal Palace isn't a relegation team. It's a team that's on our level. So, like, in years past, nine years past, in this past year with Newcastle, Steve Bruce would still kind of sit back against teams that were on our level. And, yeah, Newcastle would win sometimes, but it would still not be – very pretty and this by all means wasn't pretty but Newcastle were creating chances which that's the first step again like like I said earlier like there's not a lot of tactical direction there's not like a a clear identity but it, it like you said when Steve Bruce's supposed strategy is to put field the best team possible um to potentially win it helps when like you're getting the best out of your players like I think Miguel Amaron on the left is it's fine. It's better than him playing as a central midfielder. Alan St. Maxman on the right or them being able to switch. That's better than Alan St. Maxman as a, as, as a secondary striker in a four, four, or, or I guess, yeah, four, four, one, one, or something like that. 
So I, I think, and Joel Linton obviously as that secondary striker is better than Joel Linton alone up top or Joel Linton on the wing. So if the four four two is what we need to do in order to make it work, then by all means, let's do it. I mean, athletic. Yeah. It's not like it's it's a crazy concept. Atletico Madrid's doing it, and they're doing it pretty damn well. If you ask anyone who's watching La Liga, like they run a four four two, they've run it the past two seasons, and it's been working wonders for them. So I mean, if it works for them, sure. Why not? Let's do it. Let's, it'll hopefully work for us. Yeah, yeah, hopefully it does. Hopefully it continues. Um, we're going to take another break, and then we're going to get into more of the quotes, stats, and best player, who I think many people may know who that would be for us. Uh, but we will take a break right after this. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Don't settle for an old Gmail address. Show your true colours with your personalised at ToonArmy.com email address to use in-app or on the web. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. Okay, we have some quotes. Um, we, we always love Bruce quotes. It's something that we, we just need. Need in our, our system and our veins every after every match report. So here I go with some Bruce quotes for you. Steve Bruce said, both teams find it difficult to score a goal. And we were looking for that, for that little bit of quality. We weren't clinical enough and I thought it was going to cost us, but then we got it for the goals. Callum is a goal scorer and he has that instinct. That's his seventh goal now. And that's a tremendous return. Uh, there is no disputing that Jolton has found it difficult, but I've said many times, that some take it a little more time than others, but we're delighted he scored a goal. I'm delighted with the attitude. It's been a difficult week, but we've responded in the right way. Um, yeah, he, he had a lot of quotes. I, I, I mentioned he talked a lot about this one. Stevie was happy. But I'll mention he mentioned the COVID situation. He said, uh, we have three confirmed players and unfortunately a member <laughs> – this is great. We have we have had three confirmed players, and unfortunately, a member of my staff. <laughs> <laughs> players, yeah, the players will be fine. Yeah, <laughs> my, um, my staff. Whoa! But uh, he said it is a concern and difficult to manage. We are trying our utmost to make sure we try and stay as safe as we can. Of course, my concern is not just the welfare of the players, which is vitally important, but my members of staff too. We are do our best, but it is difficult at the moment. Um, yeah, so it's Jamal LaSalle's, Isaac Hayden, Jacob Murphy, and St. Maximin were all dropped out of the side that was beaten by Chelsea. So injuries solely, like it's been reported that LaSalle's and St. Maximin have injuries along with Andy Carroll, but uh, there's lots of reports that like um, Isaac Hayden, Emil Kraft could also have gotten it. Um, but yeah, so well, they, they haven't announced who it is, at least to my knowledge. Do you know? No, there's there's been a no, no announcement of who it is. Yeah. Um, just kind of speculation. I think it's almost like I would say it's a re, it's like common knowledge that Isaac Hayden's probably one of the players that has it. Yeah. Because the other ones, like there was definitely concern for injury. Jacob Murphy is probably another one who probably does. But Jamal Sells and, and Allison Maxman for sure, we knew they were injured, and Andy Carroll being injured is not it's not really anything shocking like i personally think andy carroll might have it like i wouldn't be shocked if he did but you know 
him also being injured is equally not as shocking. Probably way more likely and probably the truth. Like he probably is injured. Sure. Why not? It's Andy Carroll. Yeah, totally. Um, Stats is that's Jolinton's third goal for Newcastle. Uh, Well, in the Premier League, seven in all competitions now. Uh, And Callum Wilson has seven goals in nine Premier League matches. That is good. That's absurd. Uh, Just as a refresher, seven would be one more than last season's top Premier League scorer, John Joe Shelby. Um, He did that before the new year. What's crazy about the Callum Wilson thing is that if you look at our opponents coming up and you look at how Callum has had to score goals where it's like, he gets two, three chances a match and he converts one of them. It is, it's really hard to, to think that he won't. I, it's very possible he reaches 10 goals by the end of, this, by end of the, uh, the 2020 year. Like, yeah. I mean, just given who we're playing, it's just. Yeah, it, it really could. And he's, uh, and the interesting thing is they mentioned this on a broadcast, uh, which led me down just thinking about like how crazy this is, but there's always a crazy stat associated with Newcastle, but 10 of our 12 Premier League goals have come after halftime. And that includes all seven of Callum's, Callum Wilson's goals. He scored his earliest goal he scored is in the 56th minute, but he scored in the 56th, 65th, 77th, 84th, 87th, 89th, and then the infamous 97th. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, uh, all all second half goals for him. The the only players to score in the first half are Saint Maximin, his only goal, and then uh, our one of our favorite players' own goal scored in the second minute. <laughs> Good old own goal, own goal. What a baller! Uh, yeah, so that's our only two goals in the first half. It's kind of wild because Newcastle definitely had first halves where they've looked solid enough to score like in yeah. this one it, that i feel like there should have been at least one first half goal based on how newcastle played it's very interesting so hopefully that that shifts but it also is it's 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 nice knowing that you're never truly out of it if you're a newcastle fan because like they're bound to try to score in the 80th minute or later mm-hmm. yeah yep um going to expected stats do you have any stats? Any other stats? I've got a st- I've got a set of stats, but we'll save it for best player. Okay. Uh, Newcastle were expected one point two eight goals. Crystal Palace point five. Uh, expected XG Twitter account said that that is the most shots a club has ever had in the Premier League without registering one expected goal for Crystal Palace. So pretty interesting. <laughs> Uh, who, Elijah, who had the highest XG? Uh, Joel Linton. Yes. That was pretty easy. Uh, second was Callum Wilson. Not far behind either. Uh, 0.57 yeah. for Joel Linton, 0.52 for Callum. Who had the highest XA? Uh, I'm going to go again with Joel Linton because that ball fizzed across the box. So it's just like, that. You that is correct. insane how that's not a goal. Yeah, you are correct. He had 0.45 expected assist the match um so really good day for jolinton if you're catching on uh for some other stats we had 57 percent of the chances in this match the 29 for crystal palace so 
Uh, that is very unlike us. We had 14 shots to their 12. We had seven shots on the target to their three. Uh, love this stat. PPDA, so passes allowed mm. per defensive action in the opposition half. We allowed a record-breaking 7.47 passes in our half. That is actually good. Uh, okay, I couldn't Crystal. tell. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So only seven passes were allowed in our half before we were able to break it up. Our average is probably 20-something. Not joking. Uh, Crystal Palaces was 16.91. So we were co- that showing that we're controlling the ball in Crystal Palaces half uh, more than not. And expected points, it was two expected points for Newcastle, 0.7 for Crystal Palace. So it's leaning more towards a win for us, but uh, could have been a draw as well as according to expected. But we got that win, so it don't even matter. 538. How are we going to finish? Well, 14. What's that? 14. That's my guess. 15. <laughs> uh, we did move up one spot from 16. They think we'll have 43 points, which will put us one ahead of Crystal Palace, but three behind Bright. Ew. Uh, hey. We have a less than 1% chance of winning the Premier League. We have a less than 1% chance of qualifying for Champions League, a 16% chance of relegation, and holding on hope for an 11 – oh, sorry. Uh, not 11. I lied. A 5% chance of finishing 10th or better. Let's go to best player, shall we? Let's do it. All right, Elijah. Who is it, the best player, the man of the match for Newcastle? It's clearly Joel Linton, uh, and Newcastle Twitter just, I don't know. I mean, they spent, a lot of them spent the entire match slagging him, and it's very much like, and I get it, like Greg always says, it's a results-based position, striker, it's a results-based position. So even if it's very evident that you're contributing, like, none of it matters if you don't have a goal to your name. And, like, legitimately people were slagging Joel Linton, even after getting the assist, because, like, he didn't have the goal to go along with it. And, like, of course, after that, everyone's like, oh, man, what a great game he has. And it's like you can literally go and look at certain people's tw- Twitter feed from that day, and they're just literally taking a dump on Joel Linton. And I made a couple jokes here and there, but, like, they were definitely jokes, and people know how the coming of Newcastle account feels about Joel Linton. We love him. We want him to succeed. And I think ultimately everyone wants him to succeed. It's obviously frustrating when you spend that amount of money on a player and – don't immediately get 20 goals a season. But if you look at like just around the league, that rarely actually happens. Um, We don't need to bring up how much money Arsenal spent on a winger who really didn't start performing until the very end of last season. So um, anyway, um, I do have something quick to read on Joel Linton. Um, This is from scout NUFC, um, who is a, a French based Newcastle supporter uh, very much into expected goals and all that jazz. He put he pointed this out. Uh, Jolinton's stats ranked with the rest of the NUFC squad. And we kind of did the same thing with Miguel Amron a couple weeks ago, but it's nice to do this with Jolinton as well. Joint most assists per 90. Joint second most goals per 90. Second most shots per 90. Second most shots on target per 90. Third most successful dribbles per 90. Third most aerials one per 90. Fourth most key passes per 90, seventh most tackles per 90. And they followed up with, You think he's lazy? Um, 
and yeah, I mean, it's it's like we've we've said this. Our podcast has said this. Joel Linton's had a solid season. Like every time he's played for Newcastle thus far, it's been pretty. It's been a pretty solid outing. Like mm-hmm. most of the time, he's coming off the bench, and most of the time, he's coming and he's playing. And like the minutes may not matter all that much to many people, but he's he's been solid this season. And you can tell he's definitely settled in. He's gelled. He understands what the Prem's going to be like. And honestly, like Greg said, this 4-4-2, I think it does bring the best out of him. I hope Steve Bruce sticks with it. I hope Joel Linton gets to play with Callum Wilson for the rest of eternity. Because if that happens, and every time they play, they get a goal and assist together, then by God, Newcastle's winning the Champions League next season. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, th- I completely agree. I think the 4-4-2 with Jolinton and Wilson up top is something that we just have to stick with, assuming they both stay healthy. Uh, so I obviously completely agree with the Jolinton selection. And so we'll just go into uh, who's... Wait, do you have any honor honorable mentions for uh, like yeah, best that's, player? That's what just I was like, going to add to, is just the players that got sevens or higher, so we can pick apart any of those if you'd like. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just to say the lowest rated player because we didn't mention him because there's literally nothing to worth mention. They did nothing. Uh, that the player that played that wasn't a sub that had the lowest rating was Jeff Hendrick at a 6.17. Yeah. So. And I'm guaranteeing Fabian chair is probably the lowest rating and came on as a sub and yeah. didn't do well. Yeah. So. Uh, he got a 6.03 uh, as Crazy. the lowest. Um, then we have the players that got a seven or higher was Sean Longstaff, Javier Minkio, Federico Fernandez, Jamal Lewis, John Joe Shelby, Callum Wilson, Kieran Clark, Carl Darlow, Jolinton. Jolinton. So uh, that take Jolinton out of the picture, and that's a 7.09 all the way up to a 7.57. Jolinton's rating a 9.42. He was insane. That is good. It's it's kind of funny when like you look at because I looked at who scored afterwards. I was like, I just was curious, and it it's it really is interesting. Like it's very much like there's I wouldn't say an agenda, but we all have our biases. And like if you watched last season as a Newcastle fan, I understand like not liking Joel Linton and looking at and nitpicking every single thing. But for this match, he was by far one of the best players on the pitch. And, like, literally, who scored has said he's the best player on the pitch. Like, and it's not even close. Like, no one on Crystal Palace and who scored got above. I think MacArthur – yeah, MacArthur had a 7.6. Everyone else was below a, was below a 7. So, like, he by far was the best player on the pitch. Yeah. It is insane that people were like, uh, oh, Joel Linton, screw him, he sucks. And I'm like, bro, like, this is the wrong game to do that. <laughs> yeah. No, it totally is. Uh, yeah, just an um, immense performance for him. Let's hope he continues that because we need, we're going to need that for sure. Um, Elijah, anything else you want to mention before we depart on this fine evening? Yeah, a couple things. Kind of housekeeping. I thought the back line was, was great. Um, Fernandez, great, great way to bounce back after having a couple really not great matches in a row. Kieran Clark, another player who kind of just slotted in like again over international break we weren't even sure that he was healthy and then he's kind of slotted in and put together two somewhat solid performances um Javi Mankio another one who just was out of the picture came back in solid performance all around 
Um, I have to give credit to the midfield. Uh, Sean Longstaff, uh, I, you know me, I get on him all the time about his lack of defensive work. Um, yeah. But I do think he's starting to really come into his own as a player again. It's nice to see him coming back into the mix as, as a consistent option in the midfield. I, I think he played he played really well. I think the 7.1 is a bit harsh on him, the who score gave him. Um, I think he was probably around that 7.4 rating. I think maybe because he got a yellow, that's probably why it, it docked him. Um, but, I mean, he's starting to figure out what he's good at. He's gotten much better at playing the long ball, but he's not super reliant on it. And he's able, like he, like he did, he's able to make those runs, which is nice to have. We don't really have players that really carry the ball uh, from the midfield into attack into the final third. Um, and it's nice to see a player try to do that and be successful at it. He's been doing that fairly well this season. And John Joe Shelby, I, I absolutely hate him. But, I mean, this match, he was, he was solid. He, he wasn't too reliant on the long ball, um, did his defensive work, and I have to give him credit for that. Um, and then I guess the other player I should probably mention, I think, I mean, we know Jeff Hendrick was bad. We're expecting that. But McGovern was not great. I think he was definitely trying to get things going, but he just wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't clicking. He wasn't good. Um, I think it'd be rude of me not to mention that. Uh, I mean, he, he had a lot of opportunities to make some things happen. Um, definitely froze up a little bit in the final third. Not great, um, but had some moments, had the moment, like we said, set up Joel Linton that almost resulted in an assist. Um, but overall, when you when you with the level of expectation that we have for Miguel Amron with the drama that's been attached to him this season, like yeah. anytime he has a performance that's less than stellar, it's like yikes. Yep. Yeah, no, good, good shout out. Good uh great job, Elijah. You're just you're on it. Thanks, man. I'm just just a man of the people trying to do trying to do what, what's what's best for the folks. Yeah. So this week you're going to be, or actually it will be Wednesday, you'll be getting a news pod. And we'll also be previewing Friday, another Friday matchup against Aston Villa on the road. Um, so we'll be doing that. So look out for that as well. Please like, subscribe, share, tweet to us, follow us at chn underscore podcasts. And we will uh, see you again on Wednesday. So that concludes our Crystal Palace recap. I'm your host, Greg Troxell. That's the best damn colors in the land, Elijah Newsom. And this is the best song in the world coming home Newcastle. We'll see you soon. And away the last. Love you guys. It's cold up there in summer. It's like sitting inside a fridge. But I wish I was on the case side. Looking at the old time bridge. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I may as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown hill I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the club again I'll pray the dog at St. James's Park If the Gallagher's end of the rain I'm coming home And I'm proud to be a Jody. To live in Jody land Some people think we're 40 And we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity And we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city Haven't had it tough as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wedding I'd walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been a weird I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound In me mother saying, hey, how weird I'm coming home
misty old blind busker who stands at Fenwick's door. He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before. And I love the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names. Like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gateshead Games. I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale. I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again. I'll brave the darkness in James's Park, in the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine. Walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of the river tide. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me, but I seen him away. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown ale. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again. Brave the dog is in James's pocket, the Gallagher's end in the rain, I'm coming.